Attention Greendale students and welcome to Streets Behind, a podcast about the TV show community. Hosted by two friends who met on campus but couldn't hang out during the pandemic. So we started this podcast to stay connected. And together we come up with so many insights about the show and the characters that we never would have thought of on our own. We know it's not perfect, but if it was, it wouldn't be Greendale. So join us. You're already already accepted. accepted. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I think this is recording. Ready? Yep. What's up, everybody, and welcome to our fan pod on the show community, our beloved show community. Today, we are talking about season one, episode six, the title of which is Football Feminism and You. And joining me, as always, is Sandy Caldrone. Sandy? Hi. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, Quick warning to listeners. Uh, We had to push this episode back a week, this episode of of our pod, because I've been dealing with a sinus infection. So not quite over it yet. I'm sorry if I sound a little blocked up or a little a little hoarse, but uh, believe me, much better condition than I was last week. So I think (laughs) I'm more fit for the pod. Also, I've just been itching to record one of our pods. It's been a while. We had to take a week off and now I'm like dying. It's kind of a bummer. It really was. I missed you, man. Like, it was like, I wanted to talk community and I've been like, yeah, so it's nice to be back. Nice to be back in the saddle and all that. Interestingly, and we didn't plan it this way. We're obviously, we're just going chronologically through the show. But what I thought was really interesting was that this episode for me was a great episode to come back to this on because I was, you know, I was just dying to talk to you and record one of these episodes, you know, wanted to watch some community in this sort of lens or whatever, this kind of critical analysis lens. So for me, and I think maybe we feel differently about it, but I thought this episode was great. It cracked me up. I laughed out loud a couple times and I actually wrote down a note. I will say this, this is the first episode where there was so much going on. I finally just had to stop taking notes because I was like, (laughs) dude, I was just, maybe I was just in one of those moods where like everything seemed hilarious to me. But what I really thought about this episode and I wrote this down, I thought if I were asked to give a list of like my 10 favorite episodes, would this immediately go into that 10 and that's tough because there's a lot of good episodes of the show but I was really blown away at like how funny it is and also by how much they got done in terms of character development in this episode but I know you mentioned off mic earlier that maybe you felt differently yeah that's really interesting because like with this episode I also felt like they got a crazy amount done again in the kind of like character development but I didn't have any laugh out loud moments in this one um, I, I didn't have any kind of lines that really zinged me like they like they typically do. So I think that that's really funny that that it was one that particularly cracked you up and I've got nothing going on here. So that's one of the interesting things about watching these separately and then coming back together to talk about them. Because like if we were both in the same room watching this, we would have influenced each other's opinion in that regard. That's so true. I hadn't thought about that. But then it reminds me, was it the social psychology episode I mean, the other thing that's interesting is it might just have to do with like where you're at when you watch the episode because we're watching it separately, not necessarily like geographically, but I mean, you know, like just the mood you're in or whatever. Mm -hmm. And this is not to suggest that like either of our opinions are right or wrong. But do you remember a couple of weeks ago we came into the recording and it was the think the episode social psychology and it was it was the reverse. You were like, oh, I loved yeah. it. And I was like, oh, I was kind of meh. But, you know, but then you look back on it. And this is not to say there's that this is a reason that you felt this way about this particular episode, Football, Feminism and You. But it's like, I mean, with watching anything or, listen, you know, watching a film, listening to an album for the first time, it could just be like, there's other things on your mind. You're tired. You're in a particular, like, so mm-hmm. for instance... Now that I think about it, I was just so geeked to be doing this again that I was just <laughs> like, I had this euphoria of just like, I'm watching an episode of Community, you know, um, which is, again, that's not to say either there's obviously no rights or wrongs here, but it is interesting that we watch them separately. And now at least a couple times we've had different, different, like really just kind of different general takes or reactions mm-hmm. to a particular episode. Yeah. So as usual, I wanted to just kind of frame, I guess, our discussion 
in terms of three kind of three general plot points, I guess. But I mm-hmm. think we at least both both agree that this episode is really about character development mm-hmm. and developing those pairings we've been talking about, the different interpersonal relationships between different members of, of the group, of the study group. Yeah. And so number one, I think, is Annie and Troy's relationship, because that's where the episode starts in the study room, in the study room or whatever with them working on, I think it must be an astronomy class or something, Mm -hmm. but there's that relationship. And I don't know if this is a a second sort of plot point or a subplot or a device for that, but obviously Troy being the ex star quarterback in high school and Mm -hmm. the Dean approaching him to be the quarterback for, for the Greendale human beings to re up (laughs) on that, on that uh, glorious football career. So there's that. The second part is Britta and her <laughs> lack of experience or the appropriate tone in terms of going to the bathroom with another woman. Yeah. You get this whole thing with Britta not being fit to be a bathroom partner. <laughs> and then I guess maybe a third thing, I know you had mentioned this, there's also, you start to get the Dean and Pierce Pierce says, quote unquote, found money for the Dean. So I don't know if those are four things or sort of one kind of mm-hmm. dovetailed and three, but those are kind of the big plot points that I thought we'd talk about. Again, I think a lot of that just services character development in this particular episode. And then obviously for the series as a whole. Yeah. And I think that the other thing we can just touch on and not spend a lot of time on is the conspicuous absence of Abed in this yes. character development episode where he's just got nothing to do there. So they just kind of put him in the background. That's such a good point. I hadn't thought about that, that it's when you're getting into the character development and character history and, and some... the interpersonal nuance, like he's, that's not fun for Abed. He can go do something else for an episode. And, and you're so right. Cause with that interpersonal nuance that there's the emotional capacity of the characters or how they start to affect one another emotionally and build those emotional connections. And you're mm-hmm. right. I, that was one thing I was going to mention. It's interesting that Abed's not really in this episode, but I hadn't tied those two together. So thanks for that insight. Cause you're absolutely right. Like, why would you need Abed in this episode? This is about people being people and building community. <laughs> Although one little thing that I noticed at the beginning, he says something like, he makes the comment about like, will they, won't they, Jeff and Britta and Jeff's like, mm-hmm. it creeps people out when you say this. And he's like, oh, that's kind of my thing. You know, like it is what I do is like analyze the real world as a TV show. He says something like, but we leaned pretty heavily on that last week. <laughs> but do you know what's interesting? Maybe their production schedule was different from how they rolled out like the actual episodes. But last week, quote unquote, episode five was advanced criminal law. Whereas it was two weeks ago, social psychology, sorry, it was episode three, intro to film, is the one where they really use the like meta level of Abed seeing the world as a film or whatever. So it was interesting that he made that reference to, we did a lot of that last week, but technically episode five, it was, you know, the advanced criminal law. It was about like Brita cheating. There wasn't a lot of that Abed meta stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. So the reason I bring this up is we've talked about this a lot and we will as the show goes on is there's this whole world of community that they start making references that's never on the show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then I also just thought that's one of those many moments where you watch the show and you go, wait, what happened on Greendale last week? You know, like, what did we miss? (laughs) Right. No, that's, that's true. That might be the, you know, first little pearl that then grows with those references to things we'll never see. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to mention that's sort of a general thing, and I was just curious what you thought about this, Sandy. The intro to this show, I wrote in all capitals, the intros, like the first segment or whatever, before the credits, to this series are genius. One thing that this series, that Community does particularly well, that first two and a half minutes, they set up so much There is so much happening, so much great dialogue. I love when this show starts with the group in the study room and it's just like, we're throwing everything at you in three minutes, boom, cut to credits. They do, they do excellent openers um, and they give you a lot of explanation and information without a lot of explicit exposition. 
Yes. It's, it's and very, uh, very funny. Always. And so much dialogue. So to talk about this interpersonal stuff and some of these plot points, some of the things that come up in this intro, it starts with Annie and Troy studying for an astronomy class. Mm -hmm. So you already start to see that Annie has a crush on Troy. She's trying to find a way to spend more time with him that comes through the guise of studying with him or tutoring him or whatever. Then the rest of the group comes in they sit down at the table and then the Dean and then <laughs> Dean Pelton comes in and has a, a line that cracked me up when he mentions the diversity of the group. Yeah. And he just, he's like at mid sentence and he stops and he kind of leans over Jeff and he goes, boy, there's just one of every kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, uh, Again, this show and the writers and the showrunners, Dan Harmon, just being aware of the fact that they created a they created a diverse cast, having someone in the show mention it, but it comes in the deans for like it, in this case, it's through the dean who always walks that line of saying things that are like inappropriate to controversial or some degree therein. Yeah, I think that's one of those instances of the show kind of setting up like a like a kind of unrealistic situation, but then having their characters respond to it in what would be kind of natural ways. And that's the great thing about it is like they there is something that is obviously it's a show we've talked about this, but there is something that's kind of realistic about the dialogue and the banter and the way they kind of respond to these things. Each character is almost an archetype. But they're so like archetypical or stereotypical that it actually becomes a vehicle for like some really real moments, some very like real emotional and like socially aware dialogue. Mm -hmm. So the Dean comes in, he does his thing. He said, he mentioned, sometimes I just bounce around this school like a football or whatever. So and he's clearly never played football because footballs don't roll around. Like that. I didn't roll around. I just roll around like a football. And he goes, <laughs> oh, here I am in a random conversation about football. <laughs> it was great. But so there's the setup to asking Troy if he'll play for the football team. So he goes over to ask Troy if he will join the football team. And Troy has a great line where he's like, you know, I was the star quarterback. I used to be the best or whatever he says. And this is so Donald Glover. So Troy, he says, I wouldn't play for this school with a 10 foot pole. It's <laughs> <laughs> one of those Troy lines where you're like, wait, yeah. what? Yeah. Well, it's just charming and absurd. <laughs> it's exactly, exactly. So at which point though, Annie comes to his defense and says like, no, he's not playing football. That part of his life is past. And I think this is the first mention of how his football career got derailed mm -hmm. because he got injured in a keg stand. And so she mentioned <laughs> keg the, flip. The keg flip. Sorry, yeah, that's it. The keg flip. Yeah. He makes sure to note that there's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the keg flip. And of course, we know that Annie and Troy have gone to high school together and they were, you know, two different character types there or whatever. He's mm -hmm. obviously like popular quarterback of the football team or whatever, the jock. So he gets hurt in the keg flip and Annie, you know, comes to his defense, at which point the dean says, whoa, Yoko, I don't know much. Yeah. <laughs> which is another one of these lines that cracked me up. But so you have the dean asking Troy to play football for the Greendale human beings. I believe this is also the first mention of the mascot being the human beings and that yeah, the Dean so. came up with it. <laughs> quiz, quick pop quiz. Do you remember what the original mascot was for Greendale? You mentioned it. No. It was the Greendale Grizzlies. And he says he changed it because and he starts to whisper. He goes, because many of these students he goes, a lot of these students have been called animals their whole lives. <laughs> I do remember that line. I didn't remember the Grizzlies. Yeah, so he said it was the Greendale Grizzlies. So then you have Dean asking Troy to play football. Annie's sticking up for Troy or saying, no, that part of his life has passed and revealing this interest in Troy, this crush on Troy. But then you also get Pierce handing his card to the Dean to say, <laughs> hey, I can help you with that thing. At which point... The dean refers to Pierce. He says, "I'm like, oh, are you found money?" And that yeah, becomes that a, a whole one. thing where 
later, Pierce will be like someone who does a lot for the school or the dean kind of finds ways to leverage him and his, you mm -hmm. know, Hawthorne wipes uh, empire or whatever. But so we'll start with the, I guess, the Annie and Troy thing. What were your initial thoughts on that? Well, I saw this as about Annie and Troy, but also about Annie's kind of potential for manipulation coming out. Like she's making decisions for Troy. She's trying really hard to kind of keep Troy on this academic path with her and not go back into to football. And she can kind of be really obvious about it because Troy's a little bit oblivious. So we get that side of Annie and then that side of Annie inevitably comes up against the similar manipulation coming from Jeff. So we get, you know, Annie and Troy's kind of history plus uh, a little Annie-Jeff power struggle over Troy. That second part's interesting too, because I wanted to talk about that, that you do start to get a seed of where the Annie-Jeff relationship will go. Mm -hmm. So with Annie and Troy, some of the things that you learn as she reveals to him after Jeff has finally convinced him to play football, and now he's like full, full on back in jock mode, which is he comes back into the cafeteria where he was studying with Annie and steals someone's juice, at which point there's a great there's a great off camera line where the guy whose juice got taken, you hear him say something in the background like he took my juice. <laughs> it's just so random. Troy just like grabs this drink and starts drinking it, which again, in our COVID yeah, times. Yeah, in COVID times, you notice that this time you're like, oh, that's a stranger yeah, like, straw. Don't do that. The first thing I thought, I was like, oh, you can never do that again. Never, <laughs> ever. Even if it's family or like, yeah, mm -mm. even if you're choking and it's someone across the table <laughs> from you who you know intimately, like you just can't do that ever again. But so he comes back into the cafeteria and, you know, basically says to hell with studying. I'm back on the football team. Because Jeff has given him like one of his inspiring speeches, which we don't have to go into, but it's important because Jeff pushes a lot of buttons and pushes characters onto uh, paths throughout no, the whole it, show. Yeah. Exactly. And thanks for bringing that up. But this is because also it speaks to the manipulative powers of Annie versus Jeff. But yeah, yeah. Winger's given him one of his like, this is your life. This is your chance to get back into this or whatever and like be on top again. Troy's all in now. But he says to Annie, um, basically like, yeah, I'm not studying. This is all stupid. And she says something that I thought was really revealing. She's like, you know, you don't have to be that person that you were in high school. She's like, basically don't fall into that trap of letting it all get to your head and only listening to like the people that don't care about you when there was, there were all these people that liked you for reasons other than the fact you were the like quarterback of the football team. And I thought that was like super interesting because she reveals like, hey, I had a crush on you or liked you as a person in high school, not because you were the quarterback of the football team, but because of who you are. <laughs> and she reveals that this was disallowed because her, <laughs> her parents are bigots. And she just no. says it. <laughs> but in one of those like exasperated Annie ways where she's like kind of yelling and you know what I mean? She's just like, because her parents were bigots. <laughs> and I thought Troy's reaction was great because he just kind of looks at her and goes, what? <laughs> <He's just> like, <laughs> uh, what does that have to do with anything? It was a great right. reaction. Well, because Troy hasn't been following Annie's emotional investment in his way, in his like swing away from football. Yes. He hasn't noticed that her attempts at manipulation, like they've been lost on him. So when she finally explodes for Troy, this has come out of absolutely nowhere. But the other thing is I thought it was great from a writing perspective because it is just such a random like Annie goes on a rant moment. And so I also <laughs> thought it doubled in that way. Like, you're absolutely right. He's not aware of where this is coming from, but also it's kind of a, it's almost like he's responding, I think, for the viewers, where, because we didn't really know that where that was coming from, right? Like, yeah. this episode just kind of starts with this, and you're like, oh, I guess this is a whole thing. And you get that history in, like, a 60-second rant. So when he just is like, what are you talking about? I thought it kind of doubled for even the, the viewer in a way, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's a good point. So back to then the Jeff Winger manipulation of this 
The reason that Jeff is invested in manipulating this is because he discovers that his face is on promotional material that the dean <laughs> that the dean is producing and planning to send out to the community, which Jeff tries to fight, but the dean points out there's a release on the back of your whatever, like your registration, like I can do this. So the I guess deal that they make is that if Jeff can get Troy to play football, the Dean will reconsider sending out this, this promotional material with Jeff on it. But this also serves multiple layers because not only do you get the winger manipulation persuasion speech to Troy, Mm -hmm. but that becomes this really revealing sort of conversation at the end before the pep rally And after Annie has guilted Jeff into like, hey, really, you're doing this for yourself, but you should, you know, like do the right thing. And and so Jeff goes back to tell Troy not to play football, Mm -hmm. but it becomes the whole conversation where it's like Troy being like, no, I'm comfortable with this decision because it's not about being the captain of the football team or the quarterback of the star anymore. It's precisely the fact that there is no pressure to play Mm -hmm. for Greendale, but you are the guy who can't deal with where he is. And I thought Mm -hmm. this was a great, it's a great instance of the Troy care, the aspect of Troy where he's this voice of wisdom and reason often to Jeff that he can just say Mm -hmm. to Jeff, like, actually, man, I think like it's your problem. Yeah, you get like the Zen of Troy in this episode. <laughs> nice. Yeah, there is a Zen of Troy. Yeah. The, the future episode we'll talk about, I'm thinking about, is when they go out for his, I think it's his 21st birthday. It's somebody's birthday mm-hmm. they go out for to a bar. And he yeah. ends up being the one who's like, yeah, but I'm the one like who has to kind of babysit all of you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And also that um, line from Troy uh, at the end where like, Jeff's second motivational speech gets boomeranged and <laughs> becomes a, a speech where Troy is motivating Jeff. Um, yes. That reminded me of the, the Spanish test cheating scenario where they know someone has cheated, but they're not sure who yet. And they're all kind of like accusing each other. And then they all kind of like rebut those, those accusations. Like, I think someone, you know, claims that like, maybe it was Annie because she's naive. And she says like, well, I might be naive, but I'm not stupid. And then they kind of look to Troy and um, he says, well, I might be stupid, but I'm not trying to pretend like I'm not, which is another kind of just great Troy moment of like, yeah, Troy's very cool with where he is right now. It is. I mean, that's, what's amazing about it is, Troy ends up becoming a character who really is in some ways very comfortable with who he is and why he's at Greendale, as he says to Jeff towards the end of this episode. But I think that's like an overarching thing for Troy. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's also those struggles with Troy to like, he's been wearing the letter jacket or whatever up to this point. There's definitely Mm -hmm. those things where he resists or when it um, becomes an opportunity for him to like study plumbing or air conditioner repair, you know, like there are these interesting things, but in so much of the dialogue, there is a Zen of Troy. There's just this Mm -hmm. like, Hey man, you are who you are and just accept it. And you you're at where you're at as an aside for reasons of my personal life, which I will not go into. (laughs) I was having a conversation with a colleague recently and I've started to use this mantra a little more recently where I'll just just say to myself, be here now, just be here now or whatever. And my parents had that book. If anybody remembers like parents who were kind of, you know, in the scene in the sixties and seventies and had like copies of like our bodies, ourselves yeah, and be at here home now. reference literature for yeah. liberal parents. <laughs> exactly. If you were, if you had this stuff on your shelves growing up and you were like, what's that? Uh, but like be here now was one of them or whatever, but there is a very much a be here now aspect to this that, that yeah. Troy gives mm-hmm. Jeff, but also I think is a deep part of his character. And I think mm-hmm. you really, hit on that that's it's not just a gimmick or dialogue that's really a central part of Troy as a character to this show Mm -hmm. so I mentioned and I didn't do this on purpose but I mentioned the book our bodies ourselves which was on my shelf (laughs) at home so there's this whole aspect too with Britta not being fit company 
to go to the bathroom with another woman <laughs> where apparently there is this whole world and subculture which is Jeff Ringer uh, mentions was a big topic for 90s stand-up. <laughs> yes, and they do that right away when they introduce this idea. And I'm very grateful that they just got that out of the way. So I should say, I guess right before the credits, the very last thing that happens in the intro of the show after like the Dean calls Pierce found money, Shirley's going to the bathroom, says, Britta, do you want to go? Britta's just like, no, I would go or whatever. And so then, you know, Annie says, I'll go with you. And so Jeff has to be the one to be like, what are you doing? Like He says, women go in groups. Did you not learn anything from like stand up in the (laughs) 90s or whatever? But then that becomes a plot point. And I don't mean to put any pressure on you to speak for women everywhere, Sandy, <laughs> but I was really interested to hear what you thought about this because this particular episode was written by Hillary Winston. I'm assuming that's a woman. I don't know. I don't know the gender or sex identity of this person, but I'm assuming that maybe I'm wrong. But so I wondered how you felt about the writing of this particular plot point. If you felt this was accurate, funny, revealing, insightful, because I found it insightful, but you know, I'm a man, I don't know, maybe (laughs) like I'm just ignorant, which, uh, well, I'm definitely ignorant for many other reasons, but how did you feel about this? And again, I don't mean to be like, Sandy, you're a woman, you like talk for your kind. (laughs) Yeah, we don't need anyone else's opinion on this. I will just speak for us all. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. and I don't mean to put that pressure on you, but you know, I mean, I am curious how you felt about the writing in particular and the, you know, how they handled that. So in this case, I think that it works and it works only because they've made that reference to 90s comedy right out of the gate, because this is like this is like a trope, right? Like this is something we see more in narrative and in fiction than we see in our real lives. Women go to the bathroom in groups is some is one of those like truths that we know from fiction, whether or not we (laughs) have actually experienced it in reality. And so the fact that they reference that and can joke about it, make it, make it okay. I think that's another example of how the situations might be kind of like sitcom-y or, or the settings might be kind of like predictable, but the characters respond to them kind of like how you think you would respond to it. Like if that happened in real life, like, yeah, you'd joke about it. You'd joke about the fact that women were going in groups, right? The reaction to the situation feels real. So let me ask you this, then there's a scene where Shirley goes to, she's leaving a class, she's going to the bathroom, and, you know, Britt is like, I'll go with you, I think, and Shirley's like, yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) "No." But then when she comes out of the bathroom, Shirley, there's Britta. And they have this exchange where, you know, Britta's like, oh, I failed the test, and, you know, Shirley's like, it's not about that, but it's like, in a sense, it's not even necessarily about gender in this, it's like, look, if I ask you to go somewhere with me and I vent to you, I'm not asking you to take the other person's side or whatever. I'm asking mm-hmm. you to be there to support me. And that's a very real thing for any interpersonal relationship. Look, yeah. I'm sure we've all been in moments, like whether in, you know, with a partner or family where you say like, oh, this happened to me today. And they're like, well, maybe that other person was just, and you're like, no, no that's not what we're doing right now we're yeah. not fixing this problem you're listening to me that's the whole point yes thank you yeah. yeah you're like no I wasn't asking you to justify how another human being could act in this way I'm just venting I just want you're- this emotional connection and Britta doesn't know how to naturally do that with another woman and so how did you feel about that part and again I mean again I'm not trying to like oh you have to speak for all but how did you feel about that part particularly where she says I've been not, you know, not going to the bathroom with other women my whole life. Yeah, I think she says I've peed alone my I've whole peed life. Alone. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, well remembered. I've peed alone my whole life. Um, but I just I was curious like how you felt about that because I feel like at every time in my life where I was part of a friend group, there's a female friend I've had where that seemed to be a thing for that particular woman. Like, I just don't relate to other women. Mm. And it's weird because I don't know many guys that say, well, I just don't relate to other guys. Yeah, that's you know, very true. You know what I mean? So I was just curious, like, how you felt about the the accuracy of that or the quality of that being part of it. Her being like, no, really, I'm the one who needs the emotional connection because I've been denied this my whole life. And maybe it's something about me. Yeah. And so this episode is called Football Feminism and You. And Britta's clearly the feminism storyline here. Yep. But she doesn't really like 
recognize that about herself. It's just how she is. I don't know that that she's consciously thinking of her like responses to Shirley's emotional outreach as feminist. I think she's just thinking about them as true. Although like she definitely makes a lot of comments about gender, like Shirley's talking about getting makeovers and Britta makes a joke about how she's just a fembot basically. Um, and uh, Britta ha does have one fun like other self-aware moment where she's just, Ben just has a conversation with herself where she, she says, but you must be thinking, Britta, you're such a hypocrite. You're plastered in glitter and goop and makeup. Um, so Britta having conversations with herself, always funny nice and her like her her feminism is kind of complicated and and maybe it's like we've talked about before how her character kind of fluctuates and changes throughout the course of the show like maybe that's part yeah. of that too doesn't she sorry to cut you off but real quick doesn't yeah. she say something to jeff when jeff's like you know you got to go to the bathroom with her or whatever doesn't she say something like i could do that i've been trying to do like more she says something like i've been trying to do more mainstream feminist stuff or whatever like yeah there's something about that where in a sense she's like oh yeah i'm open to trying these like different things that like you know are stereotypically feminine it gets resolved i guess all of this comes together where jeff has an interaction with annie where she jumps out of a bush. She says, I'm not going to talk to you. She says, why? Because I'm right. He says, no, because I'm not in a commercial for breakfast cereal. <laughs> and that's going to be a very narrow joke, right? Like there's going to be so many people who just didn't see that ad campaign and now have no idea what they're referencing. But the thing is, if you were like our generation and you grew up watching Saturday cartoons and so many of the commercials were for breakfast cereal, <laughs> you immediately are like, that I is kind that of a... Yeah. <laughs> It's like, A, I remember that specific commercial, but B, that's the kind of thing that happens in a breakfast cereal. <laughs> it is yeah. sort of tropey, like some weird cereal mascot comes popping, <laughs> popping out of something where you're like, whoa, cereal mascot person, you know? Uh, I just thought that was so funny and so well done, but you're right. That is like a deep pull that only... Yeah, that is a very targeted joke. <laughs> yes, only certain people will will probably laugh at. But so they have this conversation where, you know, Annie's like, "You're manipulating Troy to play football for your own gain. You're being selfish." And Jeff says, "Actually, you're being selfish because mm -hmm. you have this crush on him, and you want to spend all this time with him, and you want to make this connection with him, and you want him to be the Troy you want him to be. So you're manipulating him, Annie. The difference is, I'm better at it." because I'm older because I used to be a lawyer whatever like I'm better at this um at which point Annie sort of turns away in disgust and walks away and basically calls him an asshole without saying it mm -hmm. but so then she goes in through the cafeteria or whatever that common lounge area like on Greendale and is like surely <laughs> will you you know will you go to the bathroom with me at which point Shirley punts it to Britta and mm -hmm. that's how that all gets resolved and comes together Britta's given the opportunity to go in then and be the consoler to Annie and Gillian Jacobs does a great job of being really uncomfortable in that role <laughs> she's like trying out some lines she's heard women might say but that don't feel sincere to her at all yeah because she's like sweetie and like you know yeah. kind of using like these terms of endearment Gillian Jacobs, I know we've talked about this, but this is one of those scenes where you're like, she's a fantastic actor. She is she really amazing. Is. Yeah. Like so good. Such which is why it does again. I know I've said this a lot. This is my little soapbox, which just bothers me so much that her character becomes so vapid. I just I just think she's great. And Shirley, I mean Yvette Nicole, Yvette Nicole Brown. Mm -hmm. Both of them, just so good. But so funny part there is at the resolution of this, Shirley comes into the bathroom and says, that's my girl. And Annie's like, thank you. She pushes her out of the way to hug, yeah. to hug up Britta for like, you know, making it through that or whatever. So but it was this really kind of sweet moment where Britta is consciously trying to get out of her comfort zone just to help Annie. Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting thing because I don't think we've seen them connect as much. We've seen mm -hmm. Shirley and Annie kind of build a connection, like with the whole, what do you call it? The candlelight vigil. Um, right. Like, yep. you know, you've seen some of that, but this is maybe new, new territory mm -hmm. for the show. Just one last thing um, that you'd asked earlier about 
if this feels kind of realistic, this idea that Brit is peed alone. Yeah, yes, sorry, um, yeah. One thing that does feel realistic about that is Britta says something like, I don't know, maybe it started when I was the first one to get pressed <laughs> and surely cuts her off. But there is something to that, like that feels real that in adolescence, like the girl who was like the it girl who was kind of desired by all the boys had fewer female friends because of that kind of innate kind of like envy of that position. But that, that, so that feels real. Like, I feel like the female writers in the room can think of the name of the girl at their school <laughs> who was kind of like the it attractive girl who was the first one to kind of become womanly and attractive. And it was harder to be friends with her, I bet. Interesting. Yeah, I forgot about that line. But that's why I was curious what your thoughts were on it. Because I guess that line didn't even really... Yeah, that feels like, real. ...stick out to me or whatever. Oh, interesting. So shifting to sort of the last plot point, the Dean discovering that Pierce has found money, <laughs> uh, quote unquote, but really employing him or enlisting him maybe to help come up with the mascot, which as we said, we found out the Dean's idea was that they'd be the, the <laughs> Greendale human beings. And so that goes some places. <laughs> um, so again, this show and the way it deals with racism, the way it problematizes certain conversations about race that, are always in some ways referencing tropes or just blatantly racist things that have happened in TV history. Mm -hmm. Maybe not specific things, but just the general, like, oh, there's always been these tokeny characters of color. There's always mm -hmm. been these kinds of, the way this show deals with that, when Jeff walks into the Dean's office to be like, hey, you can't use my face on this promotional material. And they've literally got like charts and like magazine cutouts all over the wall. It's and they've got very creepy. a spectrum of basically skin color mm. of human beings and other charts of like features that are too stereotypical to include in what they're trying to make as an amalgamation of all, <laughs> of all human beings mm -hmm. to be the mascot. Some of the things that are included on things that they can't include, like that would be too controversial. I'm just going to say them because they're in the show. Pan-Asian eye folds, female breasts. Mm -hmm. So there's moments where you're like, I cannot believe the show is saying this. This is so uncomfortable. But then one of them was Russian ears. And Irish chins. Um, but yeah, so it goes from the like, uh, don't think you can say that on TV to the like just stupid and ridiculous. Right. Then they're like, so what if we also say this? <laughs> and it's kind of disarming. But I think yeah. like, so, I, and we'll talk about this a lot because it comes up often. I think the kind of the genius of community dealing with race is that there's no one like genius moment. Like they don't try to come up with this skit to kind of deal with, and I'm making air quotes that nobody can see, <laughs> yes. like deal with race <laughs> once and for all and get it off their plates. Like that's not happening. That's, that's never happening in, in a single episode or a single storyline or, or joke or, or, or what have you. It's something that's gonna continue to happen and they're gonna continue to deal with the whole time. And has happened up to this point of this episode, because we've talked mm -hmm. about this almost every week now, but I love that point you're making and I hadn't thought about it that way, but it's true. It's, it has different degrees and different ways it's presented. This was very, you know, just like I said, this is just kind of like throwing a haymaker at you. Like, hey, mm -hmm. we're going to say some things that are racist. It becomes problematic or at least challenging when you're a viewer. But to your point, and I love this point, and I think this is in a way now that I think about, if I may steal your point to say that's what I meant. Um, yeah. When I was saying these like tropes of classic American sitcoms, there are so many sitcoms that deal with like, this is the race episode. Right, a very special episode. This is the gay episode. This is the, speaking of, we are now in the midst of a very special episode of our podcast because this is the first guest appearance of Sandy's dog. Hello, puppy. <laughs> Hi, this, yeah, this is Raph. He's a little freaked out because he had some teeth pulled yesterday and he oh. thinks I've been on the, talking to the computer for too long. Oh, I'm sorry, little guy. Welcome to the show. Yeah, this um, is a very special episode. Yeah, this is a very special episode where we talk about 
canine orthodontic <laughs> orthodontics um no so it, but you're right and i think like okay i can name episodes but at least i'll name the shows i'm thinking of here's looking at you wkrp in cincinnati here's looking at you taxi where mm-hmm. and those are great shows and i want to do a whole other podcast if not like a graduate <laughs> level course on how progressive those shows were in the context of the late 70s so they're talking about mm-hmm. things that would never have been on other shows and haven't been on other shows since, but it's like the dedicated episode. Mm-hmm. Like here's and what we're going to deal with this and we'll shelf it the rest of the time. We're going to let you know we're thinking about race. It's going to happen in the middle of season three and then we're done with it. So like yeah. to your point, like we're going to get that out of the way and resolve it. And this is the thing about this show is it's always there and it's part of the nature and the makeup of the group of the cast and their real life diversity demographic diversity mm-hmm. the line that i don't even know i don't even i'm just going to say this i don't even know how to deal with this but when pierce goes to get a coffee <laughs> and the dean says i'll have a desmond tutu with just enough cream to make it a lou diamond phillips to which point pierce says a La Bamba. La Bamba. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't know, Sandy. Like, I'm not gonna lie. I, I, I like did a cringe laugh where like yeah. I laughed at it, but I was cringing. I was cringing at the line. I was cringing at myself for laughing. I'm uncomfortable <laughs> laughing about it now. It's like this is where, as a white view, I'm just like, I don't know what to do with this, and maybe it just means I'm a terrible person. But I mean, it's, it's funny that it's so upfront. And so in that way, I think it makes me laugh. It doesn't make me laugh because of the, like the people they mentioned or like what scale of, or, you know, their spectrum of skin color or whatever, but there's just something that was just so poignant in ending this scene with that, like, no, maybe you didn't get how willing we are to go. We're leaning in. Like we're yeah, going they stuck the landing. <laughs> they stuck the landing. I think you got to at least give them that. They stuck the landing mm-hmm. here. That's, I think for me, about it. But is there anything else on this plot stuff that sticks out to you and, and is worthy of mentioning? One thing that we didn't talk about that stuck out to me during the show is when so we talked about Annie and Jeff having this kind of moment where she's accusing him of manipulation and he you know comes right back at her and earlier we were talking um off mic about how that's a surprisingly like real conversation that Jeff is having that is not about artifice or, or manipulating anybody in that particular moment and I think that that's kind of the first time we see how Annie can kind of like disarm him and like throw him off his game so that he's kind of forgetting about his own motivations for a second and just having an honest moment with somebody that does end in her being really upset, which she then later comments on. So, you know, they're kind of apologizing to each other and Jeff is really equating the two of them again, right? Where he's saying like, well, we were both wrong. (laughs) And she points out like, yeah, but I'm an 18 year old girl and you made me cry. in public (laughs) yes which is such a a, such a fair point and a good reminder of this relationship um that no jeff you are not equals and sometimes you kind of feel like you might be and then someone more realistic needs to remind you that she is a girl and you are a grown man and this is not appropriate yeah and you're 20 plus years older than her Mm -hmm. or whatever and you were a fucking asshole to her like sorry you know like you were a jerk to her but no I'm glad you brought that up because the other thing that we talked about off mic and I'll say now is not only were those two conversations the one they had like out somewhere on campus where they get into that little conflict but then the resolution at the end of the show before the pep rally not only were both those conversations very like realistic in the sense that, you know, for as much as you can get done in two minutes, like on a sitcom, like I felt like that was some real dialogue. Those are mm-hmm. things that people really have said to each other and say to each other. And that's a kind of a realistic way to handle that moment. But I also think that to your point, Annie has a way of disarming Jeff, where a lot of Jeff's conversations, there's some sort of ulterior motive. As you said, there's an yes. artifice, there's this need to manipulate or be the guiding hand. 
And I love that you use that word artifice because it's true. There's this veneer, this artifice to him. But whenever he talks to Annie, and this will become more and more part of the show, there's like a real, there's something genuine about how they interact with each mm -hmm. other. And obviously they become a romantic interest to some degree. And you can kind of see that in a sense starting here. And what I mean by that is maybe it's the fact that for whatever reason, they are just very real with each other. You know, there's a, a real connection. They have a real connection. Yeah. There's a maturity in the way Annie, though she's quote unquote 18 years old. Again, now I'm using the air quotes nobody can see, but <laughs> she's 18 years old, the character. But as we know, um, Alison Brie is older than that. Uh, but so she's much more mature in her interaction with Jeff than she is at other times in the show. Mm -hmm. And Jeff is somehow more, as you said, disarmed and genuine and emotionally vulnerable than he is with other characters. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't know if they plan that, but you can see that. And that's, I'm glad you brought this up because also, and we'll talk about this more in future episodes, but this is where this all becomes problematic. Is this creepy, you know? Let's talk about this creepiness. Right. <laughs> Pierce, wasn't that the line? Yeah. Pierce, let's discuss this creepiness. <laughs> Pierce, let's discuss this creepiness. Yeah. But let's discuss this creepiness, if, if briefly, because I think this is better for future episodes when it becomes more like apparent. But there's something on the surface that's inappropriate about Jeff and Annie having an, a romantic relationship or even like mm -hmm. any kind of romantic like crush on each other. Having said that, the real world actors are much closer in age mm -hmm. than these characters but also in a way if you take the age out of it and you just look at the way they're very genuine with each other you can see it and you can mm -hmm. see why some of the community fandom was very pro Jeff and Annie getting together there's like the people <laughs> that are like no no Jeff and Annie should be together because in a way I think that's part of it like they are just very real with each other and the mm -hmm. realest dialogue you tend to get from Jeff is usually with with Annie. It really is. And I hadn't thought about that at all until we started talking about it, even though I've seen this show, you know, like every episode at least four times. Yeah. Um, but I think that's also kind of like how this would play out in real life, right? Like if you're in a social group where you have great chemistry with somebody who for some reason there isn't really kind of like an appropriate kind of like intimacy for you to have, you would still like, you'd wonder about it, right? Like yeah, yeah. flirt with the idea of it. Yeah. You'd, you'd, you try to like feel out that idea and then you'd think like, oh, maybe not. But you'd keep having that question. Like the question would keep coming back up. That seems real. That seems very real. It would be an open question. And I think that's one of the interesting things about this relationship is in a way, it's just saying like, people are people, people have a connection. Now I'm not commenting on the appropriateness or inappropriateness of it. I think the fact that she says she's 18 and Jeff is like, you know, nearing 40, I mean, it's clearly inappropriate for those two characters at this stage of the show to be together. <laughs> they aren't. But when it later gets explored, I think there's like this whole other commentary that's kind of happening there. And just as like, like personal aside as a question to you, I don't know if you know couples where there's like a great age disparity or like hmm. a significant age disparity, but I know a couple and like, it never even comes into your mind. You know what I mean? Like mm. there is now granted, these are people that are also older and married with kids or whatever. I don't, I don't know any 38 yeah. year olds dating 18 year olds. Let me make that clear. Right. Those um, are like different age groups. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's part of the commentary. If for, let's say the difference is 20 years, if it was 48 and 28, that's different from 38 mm -hmm. and 18. I think that's part of the commentary too. Yeah. But you're also right is it's just a natural psychological human thing. If you have an attraction to someone to wonder, but then also hopefully to appropriately be like, yeah, but there's some like, it's just the way the world works. Mm -hmm. Like you're born at different times, you're different people, different times of your life. And not even in terms of age disparity, but any like relationship, mm -hmm. you know, like sometimes you're just on different paths or you're doing different yeah. things, you're going different places and it's not meant to be or whatever. But yeah, that's always one of those parts of this show where I'm never quite sure how I feel about it. Or if even being a man of a certain age, I feel about it differently than other people, you know, would feel about, or, you know, it's just like, I don't know. Uh, it's it's a weird one for me and something I'm sure we'll get into a lot of like group therapy in like as this, as our <laughs> as our pod goes on. Are you ready for the coda? Well, first, I want to oh. hear what your favorite part. So you really loved everything about this episode. You loved every minute of this episode. I did. Can you pick a favorite? Yes. A favorite moment. Yes. 
Jeff and Troy on the football field. <laughs> They're on the football field. He takes them out, and it's all just hilarity and classic, like slapstick comedy happening around. Troy says something about, like, Yeah, you got to watch the background in this scene. <laughs> is that linebacker a pregnant woman? And Jeff <laughs> says, One of my favorite parts of Jeff says, Yes, but you can meet them later. <laughs> yeah. Go meet the, the team. But the part that really got me was this conversation where Jeff says, Football's in your blood. Troy, that's racist. Jeff, it's in your soul. Troy, that's racist. <laughs> Jeff, it's in your eyes. Troy, that's gay. Jeff, that's homophobic. Troy, that's black. Jeff, that's racist. Just, I'm going to give it the right. Fantastic. Just so that was a well very delivered. Good well acted hilarious dialogue just peak for me I, I just thought peak like so funny um and then at the end of that conversation Jeff calls him T-Bone and he says Troy says how'd you know my name my nickname was T-Bone he says because it was like you're a football player or whatever and your name starts with T and then yeah. that, like that slower quieter repetition of like a powerful line Jeff leans in and goes your name starts with T. <laughs> it was just such a good send up of like that. Yes. Of like, I got to repeat this powerful line. <laughs> right. Although the, the there's no meaning to that line, but Jeff knows the cadence I mean, of a motivational speech and he's going to stick to it. <laughs> exactly. Leans in, like goes down an octave, you know, get like adds some kind of breath. Your name starts with T. <laughs> And Troy's just like squinting off to, you know, like looking out in the distance, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, it's kind of nice that, like we talked about earlier, you eventually circle back to Troy being the one to really inspire Jeff. Because like, yes, Troy can be manipulated, but there's some, there's an emotional like core to Troy that yes. nobody's able to sway. And that comes out later. That's a great point. I hadn't thought about that. There's, yeah, there's a, there's this core to Troy's character. This, again, the Zen of Troy, where it's like, no, but I know who I am and why I'm here. Yeah. And that part can't be manipulated. That's, that's a great point. Um, did you have a favorite part of the show? Something you wanted to add? I did. And mine is also related to the football team is actually a non-verbal moment in the show. Nice. So um, when they're doing, they're getting ready for the pep rally. And Troy and the other football team members are all kind of like staged out in a hallway waiting to go in. It's at that point that Jeff tries to, you know, talk Troy out of it and, and we get the Zen of Troy. But if you look in the background of the players, there are these like pep rally signs that are like hand painted, you know, by Greendale students. And it looks like they're about to play a team called the dentists because they have these hand painted signs that say like, boo dentists. And there's just like the word dentists. And then it's like crossed out with a big angry X. And I just love that they put the thought into giving the other team a super weird name. Um, and that some, you know, like props person had to go make an anti-dentist sign to put in the background of the scene. I did actually notice that, but it went by quickly and I didn't, I couldn't like, you know, I, I but that's so funny. Okay. Cause I saw something that said dentist scratched out, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I didn't realize that's what that sign was. I guess I wasn't paying attention. So that's awesome. You bring that up because now it makes me think maybe they're playing like a dental college. Or right. They're playing like some that. kind of dental school, some really yeah. low rent dental school. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's amazing. Also like the dude, the red haired guy in that scene. He's, he's just like, Hey man, we have one Jeff. they're both just rocking on the football team. And he's like, we're standing right here. We can hear you. You know, like we have emotions or have you never, have you ever <laughs> just some like, like you know have you ever been to a pep rally or whatever it's just like calls it that guy recurs later in other episodes too he's a yes. he's a greendale student yeah so another one of those community building here's some other people also mm -hmm. we have to mention this i think this is part of it too abed as we mentioned not really in this episode mm -hmm. but is abed the person who's dressed as the human being going into the into the pep rally oh i i would not have thought that he was I but, don't think it's supposed to be 
Well, let me say this. I don't think it's supposed to be Abed. I think it's Danny Pudi. I don't know if this is true. <laughs> and I don't normally go into like looking this stuff up, but I think there's other people that think, and maybe this is actually factually known that that's Danny Pudi, but there was some speculation. I think you might be able to go down a wormhole where people are like, but whenever the human beings around or whatever, but okay. so I wondered if that was like a subtle, like you haven't seen Abed much this show, but actually whether it's Abed or Danny Pudi, I think that's who's dressed up as the human being i may be completely possible if fans want to like trash me for even suggesting this that's fine but i wondered if that was something that you thought because that's who i thought it was it no it didn't occur to me one way or the other at okay. all but uh i certainly can't disprove it <laughs> well he's about that same height it's a you mm -hmm. know kind of a slight you know svelte guy you can kind of see he has dark hair under that weird meshy face mask <laughs> thing um but just something to think about mm -hmm. um Okay, so the 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 coda, <laughs> another Troy and Abed coda, but this one goes bizarro world. It gets a little weird <laughs> because they've broken into the the dean's office or the main office. They're making an announcement, like you know, goofy over announcement the, over the PA. Yeah, over the PA. Abed, or sorry, Troy refers to himself as the disco spider, which is a reference to their rap in Spanish after like maybe the second episode, like one of those first Troy Abed codas. They're doing all this stuff, you know, just like whatever, being goofy. And then they say something like, and also to the security guards, like you really need to lock this office so people can't come in and do what we're doing. Two security guards come in and I'll let you explain this. What is the relevance of the two security guards busting in the door well i think that troy and abed realized it before i did as a viewer but the security guards are a mirror image of <laughs> troy and abed it's almost like they're like authoritarian alter egos they're foils and they recognize this right away and are <laughs> freaked out by the occurrence they recognize there's some kind of wild magic happening here and that it's an important moment that they don't know what to do with. To the point where Troy, or sorry, Abed's double raises his hand slowly and Abed starts <laughs> raising his hand slowly. No, but again, it's just one of those things this show does where it's just like, yeah, the two people that could like have been understudies or like stunt doubles for all we know of like Troy and Abed, you know what I like? They come in and it's like, oh, there's this mirroring here, like the two people that are supposed to be the foils and stop these shenanigans are like the mirror images of the two people that are creating the shenanigans, Troy mm -hmm. and Abed. But good coda, it was funny, it was subtle, and then just like- And yeah. weird, like the show's getting weird and it gets much weirder, but uh, you can tell that those seats were there all along. It's one of those initial, I'm glad you brought that up. It's one of those initial weird moments where you're like, there is always this whole parallel universe thing happening here. <laughs> I also thought it was really interesting that it starts with Troy and Abed, like making jokes or whatever, like, you know, on, on the, on the PA. And then it gets really silent at the end. Cause they're both mm -hmm. just kind of like staring at each other in silence. There was something about the tone and the texture and like the sonic aspect of that, that mm -hmm. I just thought was like really great. It was just like well-directed. There was something about it where suddenly the show gets silent and you feel this weird, creepy tension and recognition between the two mirrored groups. And to your point, all of that kind of stuff becomes more prominent in the show when we start actually getting into the, the parallel universe. Mm -hmm. um, all right, I guess that's it for me for this week. Was there anything else you wanted to mention as we wrap up here? Oh, I think the, you know, one of the, short and funny lines we didn't mention is when Troy's on the PA and he just says out of nowhere, but soup. <laughs> and I think, doesn't he come back to that? Doesn't but uh -huh. soup become a line that comes up? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. he's referring to a jacuzzi. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but soup, which is just so adolescent yep. um, and just stupid, but also just the way he says it. And it's just one of those things, again, I think if you're from a particular generation, it just makes you giggle. Like you have to kind of laugh when you hear someone say the words butt soup. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like really glad that I happen to be like the same age as Donald Glover and we share the same set of references. Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. And that that humor, though, you know, 
low brow is still like funny like you get it like it's just you know we were kids in the 80s man i said dumb stuff like that and it would crack you know crack myself up if nobody Mm -hmm. else awesome all right sandy so we will be back soon with our take on episode seven and then i just wanted to say after episode seven we're gonna do we're taking a midterm break and by that i don't mean that we're taking time off from the show but we're gonna actually do an episode that is a midterm break where we'll sort of take the temperature of the room up to this point of this show um and for listeners you'll see that well, we have a way that we're going to present these episodes that uh, mirror an academic calendar. I think that's fair enough for us uh, for us to reveal mm-hmm. at this point. So I think we'll do the next episode, arbitrary in some sense, but I have the DVDs and that's the seventh. The seventh episode is like the last one on this particular like set of DVDs on this disc or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then I think we'll, uh, yeah, do one of our midterm breaks. We'll, you know, take some time for midterms and then eventually get back to episode eight. So that'll be the next couple episodes if we're looking ahead for listeners here all right well thanks sandy thanks for joining me this is great as always thanks everybody for listening and yeah we'll be back soon with season one episode seven awesome our theme music is happy dance by cedric galke please subscribe to streets behind wherever you get your podcasts